yeah. Oh yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. We are back. Back broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one. And slightly a pink hue this morning. <laughs> Raymond Parch the third. Someone forgot to wear their hat on the golf course yesterday. I'm joined inside the studios by the producer extraordinaire, Mr. Dawson Eiserlow. D-Lo, good morning. How are you, bud? Good morning. Feeling a little energized today. Saw one of the best baseball games I've ever seen yesterday. And there we just, go. I was on the drive over here, kind of groggy, you know, Tuesday morning, just kind of in the lulls of a Tuesday. And then I thought about the fact that the game is being grown. And I got a little fired up. So that's where we are. The game is being grown, he says. He could just said it was an awesome game. You could just say that. Yeah, I could have, but you you got to try and, you know, hyperbole is effective. <laughs> Especially early in the morning. Oh, we got a good show lined up for you today. We'll dive into the World Baseball Classic between Japan and Mexico that ended in walk-off fashion. That sets up tonight's championship game between USA and Japan. Still don't quite understand the scheduling format for the World Baseball Classic. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Not for sure why you don't have people playing semifinals the same day. (laughs) But I digress. We'll dive into that. We'll also touch on Raging Cajun Baseball. Big week for them. It's another five-game week. Not a fan of those. LSU Baseball. They're going to be at home. Big conference series this coming weekend. And we're going to touch on all of it for you this morning. Scheduled to appear, Brett Chancey from the Locked On Astros podcast will join us. Talk the Jose Altuve injury, where they go from here, who has to step up in his place, both leadership and at the plate and in the field. We'll also talk all things McNeese Cowboys with Jim Gazzolo of the Lake Charles American Press and the host of the McNeese Kosher Show. And then, because he's such a nice man, we're going to talk to Ali Cassell, editor chief of the Bird Rights, to talk about the Pels. We didn't have a chance to dive into that yesterday on the show because we had so much to cover as we were broadcasting live from Farm D Alley for the game charity golf scramble. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to take those two games in Houston. Uh, that that. That, that that didn't happen that way. It did. Uh, they got a split. Zion due to be reevaluated again. Like our weekly, <laughs> it's like our it's like our weekly checkup. He's due. He's due to be reevaluated so June first. So that they can come out and say two more weeks, and then they'll. He's healing well. <laughs> he's two do, more weeks. He's doing great. He's doing great. He's he, he's he's progressing nicely. 
I, I, I can't wait for them to not even be in the playing tournament and him come back and they bring him back for like the last two or three games. Everyone's like, oh, yay. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not really. Of course, we'll take your phone calls. Game hotline's open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You know we'd love to hear from you. Chop it up on all the topics that you want to discuss, obviously. But let's start off talking what we did yesterday. It was a great day at Farm D Alley. We broadcast RP3 and company and then followed that up with a broadcast of footnotes. Traffic couldn't stop that. Would not. Could not. It was a great day. After we did our two shows, of course, the game Charity Golf Scramble, which we put on with courtesy Pro Bridge, which, by the way, benefits Redbird Ministries. It was a great day. Some people asked about you, D'Lo, just to let you know. Not as many as asked, where's Hannah Five Names? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. But it was a great time. I got to be as a surprise to the golfers. Always worry when you surprise a group of people with something. You know, they're, they're bebopping around the golf course, Dawson. They're in their golf carts having a good time. And all of a sudden, they see the big, bald, and beautiful one on the 10th green. They're probably thinking to themselves, what is this lunatic doing? Did someone just randomly walk into the golf course? Is he part of a group that got left behind? Is he homeless? Is he dangerous? There's many things that go through the mind. So on the 10th green there at the farm, we had Parch's putts. So it was a treat for everyone. So I'd wait for the guys to walk up. Now, of the 14 groups that they had for the charity golf scramble, I'd say probably 10 of them were pretty good groups, right? Hole 10 is a par 4, a little bit on the shorter side of a par 4, but still a par 4. Straight shot, right? It runs parallel with the driving range. So, it's just straight shot. Green is elevated, though. Got some bunkers around it. If you hit a good fairway shot, and then your second shot gets you on the dance floor, that means you're putting for birdie. Guess what, Dawson? Didn't have to putt yesterday. Didn't have to putt. Boys, put your putters away. I got this. Now, I did not putt from where they putted from, just to be clear. I set up my putt about three inches away from the cup. I tapped it in. I said, boys, all of you have birdies. Oh, by the way, I pulled out my pocket. Here's a sleeve of fresh sleeve of golf balls with the game logo on it for each one of you. I heard you sunk a 20-footer with a tiger fist pump at the end. <laughs> no, I did that on last Thursday oh. on hole 18 when I was golfing with Aaron and Miguez, and I had a terrible day at the farm. And I, I drained a 30-foot putt on 18. Just enough to make me want yeah, to come no, back, that's, right? That's the golf gods on 18. You right, right. Hit one on 18. It's like you've had an awful day on the course. An awful day. But we're going to let you do this one shot where you're going to be like, hey, I'm pretty good at this. I need to come back and do this. It's a cruel mistress. 
But had I had a couple of guys, a couple older gentlemen that got on the dance floor with their tee shot. So it was eagle time. So guess what? Everybody gets an eagle. So got to meet a lot of people that listen to the show. Uh, a lot of people, first of all, once again, I forget sometimes how big I am. I'm a large human, right? Yeah, you're really popular. No, you're huge. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, multimedia that's exactly what it means. That's exactly what I was going for. Um, but I had a couple of guys on the course. <laughs> had a couple of guys on the course go. One guy said, you ain't kidding. You're, you're a big guy. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, we, we don't do a whole lot of lying on RP3 and company. <clears throat> when I say, um, you know, big and bald, I mean I'm big and bald. The beautiful part is the part that's sarcastic of that saying. Big, bald, and beautiful. Beautiful is sarcasm. Big and bald, not being sarcastic. Um, but it was cool. It was not. It, it was. It was great, and everyone was having a good time. They had sandwiches out there, so golfers were having a good time. Had some. Uh, everyone, or a lot of people around here, helped out for the day. You had the beverage cart, so guys got to have a good time. The weather was amazing. Uh, a little cool, right? A little cold outside yesterday, but it was sunshiny. It wasn't that windy. As you can tell, I got a bit of a lobster color scheme going on here on the. Uh, big bald head but it was a great time and everyone was in a great mood having fun with their friends got to win some game got to get to some game golf balls there was swag bags and just had a good day on the golf course for a great cause so it was cool and it was cool meeting a lot of different people and uh some people oh yeah man i listened to y'all's show oh yeah i listened to you and dawson so i was like that's great and then the others was like, where's Hannah at? And she just so happened to be taking pictures because now she's social media manager. So she was just behind me taking photos. I'm like, well, she's right over there. So got to meet some people. It was nice. It was a, it was a really, it was really a, a, a nice time out there. Um, got to meet a guy named Kobe who actually knows Matt. So and met a ton of other people. They came in and listened to the show, so appreciate everyone for being kind with their words. Most of them were probably just being nice because I was giving them free golf balls. Let's be honest. They probably don't even listen to the show. Probably hate the show. What do you think? Yeah, we've seen if if you'd have had to miss putts for people, how they'd have treated you then. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit. If if, if that would have happened, that could have been, yeah. I was like, yeah. a couple guys were like, hey, don't you miss. I need this bird. I was like, not a problem. Not a problem. I got this. Even I can make it from this distance. So a great time out there at Farmdale. Appreciate them for uh, helping us put on the event. Appreciate Courtesy Bro Bridge for serving as a sponsor. And all the other sponsors that helped out. Uh, Certain holes had different sponsors as well. And all the competitors that took part in the golf scramble, all the volunteers. It was a great day. So appreciate everyone for taking part in that. We got to take... A timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, oh, the World Baseball Classic. It has really lived up to his name. Could it be the best one yet? Sure does feel that way, doesn't it? Kind of feels like it's becoming 
is going down as the best World Baseball Classic we've had so far. We'll discuss that and discuss last night's walk-off victory for Japan and preview, hey, wait for it, tonight's championship game, USA-Japan. That's all going to be coming up next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Walk-off fashion, epic walk-off since Japan to the World Baseball Classic final as they oust a game Mexico squad. Probably the best run Mexico's ever made at the World Baseball Classic as they get to the semifinals and nearly make it all the way to the championship round. And remember, Mexico handed USA, United States, a loss in this World Baseball Classic already. Japanese Triple Crown winner, who is only 23 years old, came up huge. Ninth inning, two runners on first and second with nobody out. Japan trailed Mexico by a run in the semifinal. But Murakami didn't feel like himself in this moment. He thought about bunting. A little small ball action there for you at the WBC. Began the tournament four for 21, striking out 11 times is how he began the World Baseball Classic. Four 21 with 11 strikeouts, including his first three plate appearances on Monday night. So he thought about it. Hey, how about just moving the winning run into position? Maybe I just lay down the bunt. But he decided not to. Took a down-the-middle fastball from Team Mexico's closer, 94 miles per hour, and sent it 400 feet to straightaway center field. Bounced off the top of the fence and allowed both runners to motor home. He got his big moments. A great player in Japan. I keep waiting for him to make his uh, transition over to the States. I mean, guy is a great player in Japan. Another back-and-forth contest in the World Baseball Classic as Japan walks it off 6-5 to five to go to a championship showdown against Team USA. Another great, great game for this World Baseball Classic. And here's the thing. A lot of these games have been very intense. Sold-out crowds in multiple venues last couple of weeks. You had Mexico's upset of Puerto Rico. Team USA's Grand Slam victory over Venezuela on Saturday. And what started off kind of, eh, has really ramped up 
in the last week or so with the contests that we've had in this tournament format. And hopefully, hopefully, we'll get another thriller tonight for the championship game between Japan and Team USA. All right, bud. You've been beating the drum, banging the drum for the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, and I kind of got what I was asking for, to be honest with you. How confident are you in going through this Japanese box score and going through all these names? No, bud. No? I'm no. not going to do that? Don't be none okay, of that. Just a thought. Um, <laughs> I mean, we could have a segment of me doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, this game had a bit of everything. You know, you had uh, Roki Sasaki on the mound for Japan, who is a 21-year-old phenom. Um, they say he's better than Otani. Um, I mean, there's there's some conversations right. about that. He he is, uh, I would say, Otani certainly further along in his development, but that comes with you know the kid's 21. So he was electric early on, uh, over 100 miles an hour on all but one fastball, I think, Ooh. in this one. Um, so he he started the game, uh, but but Mexico got to him a little bit, and credit to them, they end up you know getting three earned runs off of him over four innings. And so that was impressive for the Mexico lineup to do what they did against, you know, who, what's considered to be one of the best young pitchers in the world. Um, but that's that's part of this. That's what I love about this tournament is you have not only major league talent, but now you have guys that I hadn't heard of him before yesterday or before this tournament. And, and all of a sudden you're going, look at this guy. Check out this guy from Japan. You know, he's throwing 100 miles an hour. And then you, you come to find out. I'm sure some hardcore baseball followers maybe already knew who he was, but stories like that emerge. You had uh, – Randy Rosarena rob a home run um, in incredible fashion um, and then kind of just go with the old, I'm not going to throw the ball in, so you don't really know if I caught it or not. We're going to let the announcers play games. As a young broadcasting professional, that was fun to watch, the uh, the games being played by a Rosarena there who has been fantastic in this whole tournament. Um, you had Mexico take that early 3 nothing lead, and Japan kind of chip away at it, go back and forth, and then Mexico retakes the lead late. It looks like they're going to hold on. But then Japan gets it going in the bottom of the inning and, of course, led off by Shohei Otani, who doubles into the gap to kind of get things going. They play a little small ball, uh, finding ways to get a couple of runners on, and then they get the big double off the wall. So just a That was a 110-mile-per-hour fastball just a com- that Otani hit. It was just like, wow. Oh, just a complete baseball game. I mean, they had a little bit of everything. It was fantastic from start to finish, and... Do you expect tonight to be a classic? You know, I was thinking about that earlier. It's almost... Because we've had a couple of classics. I mean, well, the, the game against Cuba was not a classic, right? right? They, they, they drubbed them, USA to dead. But you had the classic against Venezuela, Mexico beating Puerto Rico. So we've had some really thrilling games. And then, of course, last night's Japan-Mexico game. <clears throat> it, you never know what to expect, right? You, right. you never do know what to expect. And the only worry I would have about tonight's game competitively would be if Japan's got enough pitching. Now, I'd be lying to you if I told you I had a great idea of the depth of arms that they've got. And uh, I know they have Sasaki, but of course we're not going to see him because uh, he threw last night. Now, Otani, Otani may come in in relief. Is available. It was said that he's unlikely to pitch, but he kind of, uh, he certainly, he said he will pitch if needed, but he's going to be DHing. So there's some talk about that. You know, the. The consensus seemed like people don't think he's going to pitch, but then again, I wonder if Japan's just kind of using that as a competitive tactic because he's obviously going to be their best available option. So if they get into a situation late in the game where they've got a lead or it's close and they're trying to stay in it, I would, you know, I'd almost be a little surprised if he doesn't pitch. Um, But 
again, this is a preseason tournament, and I'm sure the Angels have something to say. So I would. Uh, They're a terribly random organization. They have nothing to say. Well, yeah, maybe so. Maybe they said <laughs> throw them 140 pitches for all we care. Now remember these. This tournament has pitch count limits uh, the yes. way the Little League World Series does. Now, Otani hasn't thrown in the last couple of days, so I think he's good to go. And so I think he would technically be allowed to throw up to 80 pitches if, if necessary. I hope he does pitch. Um, honestly, I was hoping he was going to get the start on the mound against the USA because that was kind of the matchup I really wanted to see. But um, regardless, it should be fun. Uh, the uh, Team USA is going to throw Merrill Kelly. So, um, you know, we'll see what he can do from the right side. And, and Team USA's pitching has certainly been up and down in this tournament. That's probably going to be the X factor, right? Because you know Team USA is going to score some runs, especially if, if Japan is going down to their third or fourth starter. They're going to score some runs. It's going to be whether or not they can keep that Japan lineup in check, which, again, we saw it late in the game that last night. If Japan gets it going offensively, they've got some guys that can really swing the bat. So They can. And, look, this has been their – tournament been their event they won the first one in 2006 they repeated in 2009 they finished his third in 13 and finished his third in 17 so now they're back in the championship round right no team is is placed like that in every world baseball classic only japan has so they understand what this is but usa who finally broke through and won in 2017. Remember, we didn't have the rotation of every four years because of COVID, so it got pushed, right, a year. They want to repeat. They want to they want to be back-to-back, just like Japan was in 06 and 09. So lots of pride is going to be on the line tonight. Who's going to pitch for, for the Americans? Merrill Kelly. And again, but keep in mind, this isn't going to be your traditional no. championship game. Throw him out there because he can only throw eighty pitches anyway. So you're Correct. expecting to hopefully get maybe four or five innings out of him at most. So you're going to need the bullpen, which they have some guys in that bullpen. But again, like I mean, it's just not like this is a the lineup is loaded. The rotation. I mean, that they started Adam Wainwright, and you know, and look, Adam Wainwright's still got something left in the tank here, but he's also bit. forty-one years old. He's forty-one years old. So that kind of tells you that it's not like they're throwing Degrom out there and followed by Scherzer. So, <clears throat> so you give Japan probably a slight advantage with the pitching and the well, lineup. Again, I don't know who Japan has to be completely honest with you. So uh, it's going you, to be you're the person I count on for deep dive analysis on the World Baseball Classic. Well, I gave you a little insight on Roki Sasaki. That's really as far as I went into <laughs> it's Japan's fair. depth. It's but. fair. It's fair. It's fair. Not <laughs> oh. I will give you the I'll give you the uh the projected starter here for Japan. It is going to be Shota Imanaga. Oh, yeah. Oh. Know him like filthy, the back. yeah, filthy. Yeah, he filthy had that stuff. one year. I mean, that was crazy what he did. That season. you remember that time he did the thing? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, <laughs> all right, so you feel like it's a coin flip? I, I would favor the U.S. You favor I, the U.S. I, I because ex- of the lineup. Yeah, yeah, I would expect the U.S. But again, Japan also plays bait, and we see this when the Little League World Series comes around. Is you know, I I, I like following that event. Like Japan plays baseball a little bit different stylistically than the U.S. That and, is correct, and sometimes that comes into play in tournaments and events like this. So I'll be interested to see that. Does Japan move some runners? Um, do some things offensively to try and scrape across a couple of runs. Uh, here we go. Shota Imanaga is a 
Left-handed pitcher. Okay. He has played. He is the 28-year-old left-hander who pitched last year for Yokohama in the JPCL. That team was loaded. We remember that. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, remember and he had, a, he had a 2-2-6 ERA um, across. Oh, he played two teams total. So 12-4 and four with a 2 4 ERA in 158 innings pitched. So certainly a guy in, uh, that has played extremely well over in, for the Yokohama Bay Stars. Oh, shout out to the Bay Stars. Yeah. So we'll see tonight, will Japan win its third World Baseball Classic title or can the United States win their second and win back-to-back? Of course, we'll dive into that and recap it all for you on tomorrow's edition of RP3 and Company. Of course... Our guy, D'Lo, you could probably follow him live tweeting from the event tonight. Is there any way we could get a camera put on you while you're watching the World Baseball Classic? Because yeah. I feel like you would act like a Kevin Foote-style maniac. Yeah, we'll have bald eagles flying around the house. Um, I will correct you there. You said live tweeting from the event. Unfortunately, I will not be traveling to the site. But it'll be from a remote location. How's that possible? Know, why can't you do that? There. Why, yeah, why can't you just board the a game's jet? In, it, it's in Phoenix, right? Am yeah. I? I believe it's in Phoenix. Yeah, so maybe I'll check on flights in the break and then get Southwest, back to you on bud. That. There you go. Make it happen. All right. <laughs> Got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, Delo's making his plans to fly out for the final. It's actually in Miami. Just want to correct that. There, yeah. Yeah. If you go to Arizona, you're definitely not going to be live tweeting from the event. That'd be, that's, that's, that's not going to be working out for you. When we come back, Raging Cajuns baseball gearing up for another one of these five game weeks. We'll hear from Coach Matt Deggs. That's next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Yeah, that's a good point. That takes great leadership, Matt. And I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about within the walls of your clubhouse. Uh, these guys don't get down, they get mad. And that's a, you know, when you can surround yourself with bad losers, that's a, that's a good combination of good players that are bad losers. Uh, they want to get that taste out of their mouth quick. And they sometimes have the ability to just will it to happen. It's not pretty all the time, but they'll figure out a way to outlast you. And I uh, felt like we did that yesterday a little bit. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a great quality to have. The 14 team never lost back-to-back games until the last one. Uh, and that's that's always the barometer is, you know, that's what great teams do. They're going to lose. That's just it's baseball, right? Even the Astros probably lost five games in a row at some point last year. If we go back and look, I'd be shocked if they didn't. But the good ones, man, they don't stay down long. And the same holds true with hitters. Uh, they just find a way, find an excuse to win. And, and uh, that's what these guys do. Matt Diggs talking about his team not being down for long. I'm starting to feel a little bit better about the pitching. I still think it's a bit of a work in progress. What surprises me about this team, though, is 
even though the pitching isn't quite where it still needs to be, I think it's progressing. You have guys that they counted on, sluggers, hitters, all-conference type of guys, Major League Baseball draft pick type of guys that still haven't got going. And it's March 21st. And this team has still started off the season extremely strong. Far better than they did last year. Imagine what this team is going to do when the pitching truly comes into form and when guys like Rockefeller and others actually start hitting their stride. Because that hasn't happened yet. You know, at first glance, you would expect the Raging Cajun baseball team to have everything rolling for it. It doesn't. They're, they're still working on things. They're still trying to get guys on track. And that's the interesting thing about the start to the season for Matt Deggs' team is that they're not even playing to their best potential yet. Like, some of their best hitters haven't got it going yet. Their pitching is still progressing. And they're still very, very good. Now, that said, they got a five-game week this week. Three-game series at South Alabama have to go to Stanky Field. That's not a easy thing to do. But before then, they have back-to-back games. A game tonight and a game tomorrow night at the Teague. Rage Cajun baseball team is going to be taking on Grambling tonight. And then tomorrow night, they're taking in taking on Southeastern Louisiana. And Matt Deggs was talked about those midweeks games. And he made sure to let it be known that he feels like his team has to make sure to use these midweek contests against Grambling, against Southeastern, to get themselves better for the weekend. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of where my mindset's at. Is let's continue to get better this week, and uh, I, we need to see a good start out of Sam Hill tomorrow night. And. Uh, you know, you can't take anything for granted with, with who you're playing because baseball's a funny game. And if you give people stuff, if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile and they're, you're going to put your back against the wall. And that's tough at our ballpark sometimes because the wind will turn back around. It's going to come out of the south. And now all of a sudden, you're not getting rewarded with opposite field home runs. They're long fly balls. Uh, and so we need to do a great job of playing to the conditions. And that's a huge teach is is hitting to the to the conditions and playing to the conditions. Uh, I felt like we held an edge this weekend because of the weather, just because that's the way we're trained is we do a lot of uncomfortable stuff and our guys thrive in that type stuff. Fascinating what he had to say there, Dawson. And we kind of forget that, you know, we'll cover a team. We'll go to the to the game. We're like, hey, why isn't the ball leaving the park? Well, why can't they just get a home run? They got a bunch of great hitters. Why aren't they hitting home run? We forget about if the wind changes, it changes everything at the teak. It, it just does. Like you, you forget it, and then you know it just pops in your head, just like Deggs reminding us, says, "Hey, if the wind changes course and it comes out of the south instead, then all of a sudden those home run balls become fly, you know, fly balls." We forget about that. Because the Teague is an interesting park in that regard. When the wind changes, all of a sudden a home run hitter is not getting the ball to the warning track. 
Yeah, it's it, it becomes a black hole at times. Um, I, I'm I'm pretty good about checking wind when I get to a ballpark and looking at, at flags and trees and things like that. But one thing I'm not going to do is understand wind patterns and directions and <laughs> northeast winds and cold fronts bringing in weather changes. So, um, yeah, no. I'm, I'm not as far along as Coach Deggs is in understanding that stuff. But, um, no, that's always uh, kind of something interesting. Like certain ballparks, you know, dimensionally – are uh, bigger than others, but still play smaller. And Correct. that's something about the Teague plays pretty big, I mean, in most scenarios. It does. It, um, it does. So that's one of those situations where, again, the the ability to score runs in multiple ways is an advantage for the way that Coach Matt Deggs teaches offense, right? They don't necessarily teach hitting. They teach offense, right? And the hitting is a part of that. But they can lay bunts down. They can move runners over. They can hit and run, try and put the ball on the ground. And some teams don't do that, right? Some teams go up there and swing away, especially in the age of exit velo and launch angle. Some teams go over there and take their best Saturday night swing. You know, my high school coach used to call it your Saturday night swing. That's what you 2-0 count. You're looking for something down the middle, put your Saturday night swing on it. Now, some teams, they do that swing every single time. You know what I mean? And, and that's You said exit velo, which yeah. is exit velocity, by yeah. the way. It's very Former baseball player here. I'll throw some terms in there for you every once in a while, just to keep you honest. <laughs> Uh, what do you make of this team? They're, they're, in my opinion, they're much further along than they were last year. And the pitching is progressing, but it's only going to get better. We we anticipate it getting better. But they got dudes in this lineup that still haven't hit their stride. Yeah, that we expected. We're waiting on Marshock for sure. And, and even Carson is not right. what we thought he was going to be. He's had a bit of a slow start to the season. Look how they've done so far with the pitching not quite where it needs to be, and they got guys in the lineup that haven't hit their stride, haven't really got going yet, yet they still have had a strong start to the season. I'm not saying that's going to lead to anything. I'm just saying that I think they're going to be better equipped to have the type of season that they want than maybe even some of us had anticipated. Because once those guys get going – they're going to be tough to beat. Like the pitching is going to progress. Those guys are going to get going, Dawson. They're going to be tough to beat. They're going to be tough to beat. Yeah, they've beaten most of the teams that they're supposed to beat, um, and that's fair. Now, their biggest test of the year was Campbell, and they lost a series. So you have to keep that in mind. Um, and they're gonna they're gonna get tested. They got roughed up in that in series, a few yeah. weeks here. They're gonna face look the Sun Belt Old Dominion's eighteen and two. So uh, and they weren't even one of the teams even that were on the top that. radar. Yeah. Um, you also, of course, have Southern Miss, who just lost a series to Texas State, but was previously ranked. That was a really Texas, good series, yeah, by the way. Was. Texas State is back and in contention, and Coastal, has, you know, of course, has a national championship-winning baseball program, and they're pretty good as well. So, you're going to get tested coming up here. Now, South Alabama, coincidentally, is certainly in a down year by their standards. That's, of course, a pretty good program as well, and a good old-school rivalry, but. Um, it's still tough, you know, and, and Kevin Foote doesn't like circumstance games. you got to go to a team that just got swept that probably feels like they're better than that. Mm-mm. It's a tough you situation on the road. Um, but, yeah, look, they got a kid in Ben Robichaux who's emerged over the last couple of weeks, has a sweet swing from the left side. I mean, this guy, and he was, you know, Coach Dex talked about it a little bit um, this week that he wasn't a guy that they were necessarily um, counting on this early, but he turned around a 97-mile-an-hour fastball in Biloxi against Mississippi State, and they kind of said, all right, we, we might have to see what he's got right now, and he's hitting, I think, 462 over his first seven starts. Baseball's so funny like that. that way, right? Yeah. It's, it's just so funny where you, you, you see a guy in practice, and you're like, okay, right? 
he's pretty good. And then you give him an opportunity, and some guys, it's it's cliche, but sometimes some guys just step up in the moment, right? And they may not look any different than some of the other guys that you have on the roster during practice, but in a game, it just clicks. Yeah, and, and there's a couple of injuries right now. I know C.J. Willis has been battling with some stuff and hasn't been in there, and a couple other guys that, that Coach Deggs mentioned are, are kind of going through some things right now. But he also kind of said the way he said it, he said Robichaud's in the lineup for the foreseeable future right now. I mean, there's no, there's not taking him out. Now, finding a place to play him in the field, and, and he's been DHing a little bit, so that's kind of tough because, again, you have some other bats that you want to find spots for, but um, – that's when it gets a little difficult because a guy like Marshak is too valuable defensively, I don't think, to take him out of the lineup, but you need his bat to come along. Now, he's swung it better in the past couple of weeks. He still hasn't caught fire, but he's swung it better. He had sw- that big two-run homer, so you're hoping he comes around, but he's got a lot of better. bats right now. He's just, he's, just, he's just a bit in a lull, and this happens. He's a ball player. This always happens. It, 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 you know, it happens to every great ball player. You just get into a lull, man. It just happens. Cajuns tonight, Grambling, tomorrow night, Southeastern. Both of those games will be at the Teague, and then they travel to Mobile to Stinky Field to take on the South Alabama Jaguars for a three-game conference series. we got to take a timeout. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, we'll unveil the poll question of the day. That's next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer. Or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Things got a little bit easier for the LSU women's basketball team last night as the Opening weekend for the women's tournament wrapped up. Tigers had already taken care of business, punched their ticket to the Sweet 16, as we know. But they were in the region with Indiana as the one seed. A good Indiana team. Well, Indiana got upset last night by number nine seed Miami. Shout out to the Hurricanes for having both the men and the women in the Sweet 16. They, they have underrated basketball programs there, particularly the men. So that frees things up now. Now, LSU still has to get past Utah, which is a 3-2 matchup. That game will be on Friday. We do now know a time. It's going to be at 4 o'clock Eastern, it looks like, 3 o'clock Central. So Tigers, Utes. Going to battle it out in the afternoon there from Greenville, South Carolina. Miami and Villanova will get things started on the women's side earlier at 1.30 that day as well. So things could happen, right? We had Indiana get knocked off as a one seed. We had Stanford get knocked off as a one seed as well, and they're a perennial powerhouse. Ole Miss took care of them. So some interesting matchups in the Sweet 16 
on the women's side for sure. Poll question of the day. Who do you have winning the World Baseball Classic title tonight? Is it USA? Is it Japan? USA trying to win back-to-back in their second one. Japan's trying to win their third World Baseball Classic title. You also have another option. What is WBC? 86% of you say USA. 7% say Japan. 7% say what is WBC? I can always count on you, the listener. Ton on Twitter says, USA, 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 USA. My man is patriotic. He's ready to go. Though, to be honest, how many of us have watched a single inning? Oh, D-Lo. You got Ton's support as a patriot. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take what I can get here. I'm not going to get greedy. <laughs> it has been exciting. It has been. They've had some great games, man. They've had some great games. Yeah. Hopefully tonight will be another one. Let's it's, hope. Yeah. I mean, it's it like, I don't know. You don't get this type. I just can't. Continue. I don't want to start an argument. It's okay. <laughs> I support your love for the World Baseball Classic. Just know I got your back, bud. We got to take a timeout. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming up. We'll keep the baseball talk going. Brett Chancy of Locked On Astros joins us next live right here on The Game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. on the clock. Second hour has arrived here in RP3 and company. It's going to be a good one. Promise you. We're going to talk a little LSU baseball here from Coach Jay Johnson coming up in about a half hour from right now as they gear up for tonight's game versus UCA Central Arkansas as well as a three-game set at the box this coming weekend against Arkansas. But right now, it's time for us to talk a little bit more baseball, World Baseball Classic, as well as what's going on with the Houston Astros with the man from the Locked On Astros podcast, Mr. Spring Training himself, Brett Chancy, joins us now. Brett, good morning, bud. How are you? I am doing great. You know, uh, coming off that game last night between Japan and Mexico, we're going to talk about electricity. I needed something to lift my baseball spirits because, you know, the World Baseball Classic has been both a mixed bag of good things and a mixed bag of not-so-good things. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the not-so-good things is having the heartbeat and the uh, leader of your beloved Astros break a bone and going to be out for two months, at least two months. I'm going to go and say that's probably tops of the list of the things that have not been great for you. You would be accurate. And if you're a betting man, I would say run to the casino right now. Yes, sir. <laughs> that is correct. I mean, um, you know, when that happened, that's always your worst fear. But I had to temper, I guess, my being upset overall because uh, I don't know if you heard Juan Soto strained an oblique and it sounds like they don't know how much that's going to affect him. And that was in spring training. So 
injuries are going to happen. It just sometimes there are some ways that injuries occur that you're like, maybe this could have been avoided. What did the Strohs do? Look, they've dealt with injuries before. Uh, Jose's been banged up from time to time. They had they had Carlos Correa miss significant time. They had Bregman miss significant time in the past recent years. But Altuve is the leader. He's kind of the heartbeat of the team here. Let's just talk about who's going to have to step up and fill that void with that, with him not being able to play every day for about two months. So, you know, essentially you lose your leadoff hitter. And so the I think the first question is who's going to be leading off. And for me, my top candidate would be Kyle Tucker. I don't even know why you would bat an eye at anybody else. He's having a phenomenal spring. He's actually doing really well in the World Baseball Classic. And uh, he was mic'd up uh, the other day. Um, the Astros put it out there. And he said, you know, I think I want to break Evan Gaddis's triples record this year. And so Kyle Tucker's clearly chomping at the bit to get in the box for the games. At second base, you know, you've got Dubon and you've got Hensley. But it really seems like right now they're leaning more Hensley for your infield utility guy. And he may be your primary person to come in and fill that gap. There's been suggestions from people in, I guess, the Astros' social media community to say, hey, why don't we go ahead and bring Pedro Leon up and put him at second base, give him some time. And my answer to that is, well, he still needs a lot more at-bats in AAA before he comes up. David Hensley, I think, is your guy. He is a bat-to-ball guy. He is a very disciplined guy and he plays a very good second base he's a tall second baseman but I think he his tools would play better in the infield than in the outfield you got Dubon you got Myers the outfield's kind of jammed right now with one or two extra guys already I like that plus Dubon seems to be I know he put on muscle this this offseason to get a little bit heavier to be a, a better hitter um I, I don't know if that helps him play second base <laughs> I don't. I would, I would right. guess that it's not. Uh, what about playing, uh, having Pena be your leadoff hitter? No. You could. You know, I don't know. I just look. Kyle Tucker's been hitting so low in this lineup for so long. Um, I think this is a golden opportunity for Tucker. I think you could put Tucker lead off, and you keep Pena second. Okay. Um, the debate has been: Is Pena going to be second this year? because of the lineup we have. Well, with, if Altuve's out, I think you protect Pena in the two-hole where he's comfortable. And that's not a bad idea. I mean, you could even put Bregman there a few games. Bregman's feeling good this spring. Bregman's as healthy as he's ever been. Um, I fully expect him to have a great year. But I, if if I had a list of priorities, my top choice would be, would be Kyle Tucker. It would be Bregman. And then... Pena, I would consider. Um, hey, Dusty Baker even said Chaz McCormick could lead off. So there's no telling with the moves that Dusty Baker will make. Um, but I trust that that opening day lineup will be ready to rock and ready to roll, even if Altuve is just in the dugout and not on the field. Typically, the Shros are sluggish out the gate. Do you anticipate that being the case again this year, especially with Altuve being shelved? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's typically what the doctor orders with this team. But, look, I mean, we've already got Rangers beat writers talking about how now the Rangers have an opening to the West. Let's 
let's make no mistake. These guys aren't getting dethroned because Altuve misses two months. It is a blow, but I, you know, I would like to say if things go as they've gone in the past, yeah, they'll probably start slow. And it won't necessarily be because Altuve's there or not because he's been there and they started slow. But, hey, why not turn over a new leaf? You're, you're defending world champions. you got championship weekend to start out. You're playing the White Sox at home. Why can't we go out and get a sweep of the Chicago White Sox? I mean, we, we took the soul and the heart of Chicago south side in Jose Abreu. Why not just drive the stake in deeper and sweep them out of Houston when they come to town? There you go. You could do that. I love your optimism. <laughs> Mr. Chancy, I love that. So so optimistic. We're talking to Brett Chancy of the Locked On Astros podcast. I'd be talking optimism too if I'd be coming back from a spring training extravaganza with my kid. I mean, you got to be on cloud nine. Not even Jose Altuve's injury can derail your happiness right now. Yeah, that's right. You know, you I am a I'm a glass half full kind of guy, and you know you could you could complain about things in life, but I've learned that a lot of times people won't listen, and if they do, they actually don't care. But I, I, just, I just think there's so many storylines. You know, Justin Deere in camp has been phenomenal. Um, we just, I just interviewed Corey Jolks. He is a local kid out of Clearbrook High School here in Friendswood, went to U of H, 27 years old. You know, he was a 30-30 guy last year. I talked last night about him being a 40-40 guy this year because of the base pass. And so – there are a lot of different things. And when I talked to Jake Myers, he even said, hey, he was confident. And I was like, man, I'm loving what I'm feeling from this team. Yes, Altuve is a big blow. Yes, but if there's any team in Major League Baseball that can weather a storm like this, I would rather them weather it now and have them two months out now rather than this pop up in September or August. And I think that takes a bigger impact if it, re- if it affects your playoff roster. Obviously, defending champs, looking to run it back. We know Altuve is going to be out. We know McCullers is not going to be ready to start the season either. So there's some key injuries here for the defending champs. And we know they start off sluggish. So what should realistic expectations be, Brett, for, say, the first month of the season? You know, for the first month of the season, the the Houston Astros, let's see, they – they start they start the season off at home with the um, with the White Sox, um, and then I'm sitting, and then you have let's see who is after that. You have the Detroit Tigers and the Rangers. I'm not exactly concerned about those guys, <laughs> but then you got a couple tough series, actually three or four series in a row where you face some good competition: the Blue Jays, the Phillies the Giants and the Cubs. And then to round out the month, you have the A's and the Twins. I don't have the total number of games in that month. But I, I'm i going to say that they come out of this month actually doing, if they're not 500 or better, I would be surprised. I, I think they have one of their best starts of their season just because sometimes it doesn't always happen the way it's supposed to happen. Sometimes things go differently, and this is a ball club that can really channel what they have, and they can springboard themselves into some wins with the starting pitching, with the relief pitching, with the addition of Jose Abreu. 
Um, hopefully, Jordan Alvarez, look, if, if he's healthy come opening day, um, I think they got a good chance to come out to have their first month. Where maybe they're not world beaters, but I think they're clearly in first place at the end of you know the first full month of regular season baseball. Well, that means they're going to be dethroning the Seattle Mariners as April champions of the AL West, though, bud. It's a bold hey, take I, you by know, you. I, you know, look, I love it. Um, Seattle's still salty. Um, I get it. You know, they're real close to the sea. CS rise, more like CS sink. Um, every year they disappoint. So let's see. Look, they did get a little this bit This man couldn't us, help. Be our competition. You couldn't help but throw shade to them. They made the playoffs for the first time in like 20 years. I'm sorry. And and got- and they they tested you and pushed your team more than any other team in the postseason. They did, and we still swept them. They still don't no have a respect. single win to brag about. No respect God. for the Mariners. <laughs> so salty about it. Uh, <laughs> tell the fo- hey man, tell the folks uh, when the uh, new episode of Locked On Astros is going to drop. What you guys got in store this week? Well, you know, like I said, if they go today, they can listen to on Apple, Google, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. To my interview with Corey Jolts, or you can go to YouTube and check that out. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're 7,000-plus and growing, almost at 7,200 right now. Um, Tonight, Eric and I are going to talk about the gold jersey release. There's a lot of mixed reviews on that, but they're doing a big midnight release on the 22nd. Um, We will have some AOS previews where we jump on the mic with our rival contenders for the AOS title with our locked-on MLB host, Paul Francis Sullivan, call him Sully. And so we got that coming up. And, you know, we'll have player interviews throughout. We'll have great post-game coverage. About 90-something percent of our shows are live, so check us out on YouTube. And if you miss us, on the way to work, tell your smart device to play Locked on Astros. Why? Because we're your team every day. Brett, appreciate your time, buddy. Talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good one, and go Strohs. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are some hosts that talk like they know everything, but you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the day on this Tuesday edition of RP3 and Company as we're broadcasting live from the EVCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. Who do you have winning the WBC title tonight? Team USA, Team Japan squaring off. Japan trying to win its third WBC title. The U.S. trying to win its second straight and second overall. Grudge match. Who's going to win tonight? I thought of another reason that the folks need to tune in tonight. If you say Otani versus Trout, I'm going to come over in that studio and punch you. Yeah, well, it's the, your chance to see them in a championship game. It's probably <laughs> your only chance, so relish the opportunity. Angel fans, 
There's your championship. How, how do you have two generational talents and you just can't build around them? Like, honestly. Honestly. Is it that hard? Really? They got a dynasty in Houston they're worried about. Can't get over the hump. Honestly, they can't even get over like the third Seattle place. can do it. Seattle finally got over the hump. And in 20 years, finally got back to the postseason. They had just, a nice year. Like, Mike it Schott's could be played done. played in a playoff game, right? I think he played in one wild card pl- game. He played in one, was it one playoff series? I think it was, a, was a, I thought it was a wild card game. Or was, was it, it just a series? Oh. I just, they're such a poorly ran franchise. You, you, you're gifted Trout, who some people believe is the second coming of Mickey Mantle. They, they, scouted and drafted Trout late. I mean, he wasn't like the number one overall. He was not. It was a solid decision there. And Otani was a good get, too, because there was question marks about Otani coming over and his game transitioning. But then they don't build around them. Like, they waste. They get all these great players. They have these two generational talents, these two MVP guys, and there's there's no one else on the team. (laughs) They do a, a ridiculous job and have been doing this for years, by the way. They win the World Series, and then like they lose their minds the couple years after that because they sell the team, and then it's and then it's nothing but paying Albert Pujols and let him extort money from them or give bad contracts to Tory Hunter. Oh. They can never figure out pitching as the other thing, which makes me concerned about Otani because the Angels always screwed up with the pitchers. What are they going to do with him? And can he keep playing both for how long? Like, that's the other part of that, too. Like, eh. Trout's played in three playoff games. He's there, one for 12 with a homer. Oh. 2014. Um, that's it. Yeah. That's it. And I'm so I'm assuming three. I'm assuming three games. That means they lost series 3-0. Yeah, they did. Likely. That's what that so. means. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? Like, I'm trying to think of a comp. For these two guys in other sports, ah, the uh, the Hornets with Chris Paul, Anthony Davis, not at the same time, but um, and not even at the same level though. Like these guys are clear cut the best two players of the generation, in my opinion. <laughs> so that's different than than what New Orleans had. It'd but. be like, and I know Foot hates this type of conversation. It'd be like if Aaron Rodgers didn't make the playoffs year after year. That's what it would be like. Like, yeah, I mean, and it is different though because of baseball. Like, one player's value is significantly less than in other sports. But yeah, no, it's still it's it when you give them a decade and they haven't made it, it's kind of you know, especially with the expanded system now. I mean, they didn't even make it the expanded COVID year. Yikes! <laughs> I mean, when everybody made the playoffs, they can't the even be above five hundred, dude. Like, it's it's not even. Oh, they they don't make the postseason. They, they can't even find a way to be above 500. How? They're not Oakland. You know, Oakland <laughs> not only doesn't like to spend money, then they even force their GM to even try to do it on a cheaper route in a dump of a stadium. And they significantly outperformed the Angels over the last decade. <laughs> like they have what? multiple playoff appearances. <laughs> it's like, what? Uh, I just don't know, man. They just... They just don't know how to build. They're not good at team building, right? They're not good at roster construction, roster management, if you will. It's it's not their, it's not in their wheelhouse, if you will. They they it it confuses them. It perplexes them. They go, "What is this? Well, I don't understand. Why is this happening?" I mean, one thing if you know, 
you were just a bad franchise, but they're not. You have so many other franchises that don't have the star power or the elite generational talent that the Angels have had that are routinely in the playoffs. Oakland, Tampa. Think about that. Cleveland. So is this right that they that they took the of Anaheim off the name in 2016? Yes. Did I miss that? Yes. Wow. I got to pay attention. Yeah, they're 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 trying to be more like. No, I mean, I look, just go back to being here. the California Angels. Well, can we just do that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if all of California wants to claim them, but <laughs> they're certainly not in Los Angeles either. So you know. No, I've been to their stadium years ago. My buddy worked in L.A., worked in Hollywood as a like production intern. He was a, he was a gopher for a summer. And we went out to visit him, uh, his girlfriend, now his wife and I. And so we bebopped around, did a lot of cool touristy things. But then we're like, well, he's he his brother said, hey, I got tickets for the Angels. And I was like, all right, cool. And I was like, well, Anaheim can't be that far. Well, everywhere takes what? <laughs> An hour to get to in L.A., whether it's a yeah. mile away or 10 miles. So. And so I was like, okay. It's a, it's a pretty nice park, right? Um, but it's just dumb. Like, this whole notion of, you know, for a while what they were, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, right? Then they dropped the Anaheim. Now they're the Los Angeles Angels. Dude, you're not in Los Angeles. Well, I mean, there's, <laughs> just, a, there's a lot of, the, obviously, the New York Giants just, and Jets are in. Or Jersey. New Jersey and, and uh, Tampa Bay Rays are but in at least, Pete. But at least for the Giants and the Jets, they can look outside their stadium and see New York City. Right? Yeah. So at least it's in the view. Like you walk out the stadium, you're like, there's Manhattan. There's the island. At least there's that. Right? You cannot do that when you leave the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> in Anaheim, you don't see Los Angeles. It's not how it works. Oh, the Angels. All right, so whatever the reason, should people watch the World Baseball Classic tonight? Well, no, I gave it to you. That's that's your chance to see Otani and Trout in a championship game. I Much less gonna... a, I mean, really any game of significance other than, you know, July 17th and the Angels are trying to move up to fourth place in the AL West. Fighting hard to be above 500. Poll question of the day. Who do you have winning the WBC title tonight? Oh, all the patriotism coming out. 83% of you say USA. 10% say Japan. And 7% of you say what is WBC? Salty Steve, always good for a comment on Twitter, says, I believe it is on the same level as the hot dog eating championship, the dodgeball championship, and the cornhole championship. Why isn't it televised on the Ocho? I do love the Ocho. I do love the Ocho. Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments, your thoughts, if you will, on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll share them throughout today's show. We got to take a timeout. When we return, LSU baseball, still the number one ranked team in the country after taking two or three at Texas A&M. They're gearing up tonight to take on Central Arkansas and then a weekend series at the box versus Arkansas. We'll hear from Jay Johnson next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette 
1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Yeah, um, it's good to be back in league play. Um, it was a good competitive weekend. Uh, obviously a good accomplishment. I think could be off on this. You guys would probably know better than me. I think we were the only road team to win the series this weekend, um, which is a good good thing. Um, obviously would have liked to finish off yesterday four outs away from you know, sweeping a team that you know, a number of coaches you know, picked to win the national championship. So, um, so I thought all in all it was way more positive than not. And um, you know, we'll uh, just kind of get regrouped and ready for the next week. Jay Johnson, LSU baseball skipper on his team, taking two of three on the road at Texas A&M. Had a chance for a sweep. Relief pitching kind of let them down. They walked way too many batters in that ball game, and A&M's a good ball club. Went to the College World Series a year ago. So no shame in that, and now LSU will gear up for another SEC series against Arkansas. This coming weekend, they'll play Central Arkansas tonight. I know LSU fan out there wants their team to win every game. I know LSU fan out there expects Jay Johnson's team to win every game. That's a little silly. That's not how it works, but I get it. This is going to be a tough slate of the schedule. At AM, they take two of three. Now they come home against Arkansas. Dawson, last time I checked, Arkansas was in the College World Series a year ago. Yes. There we go. Delo's part of the show. The answer you're looking for is yes, they are. I nodded. I thought you just wanted to nod. I'm sorry. I wanted the Dawson Iserlo insight. I wanted. That passion you had for the World Baseball Classic to come through here when we talked LSU baseball. I know that's a lot to ask of you, and Arkansas I'm sorry. I'm was sorry. in the College World Series a year ago. Confirmed. <laughs> There's a beat in all of us. It drives us, it inspires us, and it pushes us through. I don't. <laughs> what happened? Here's the problem when the, the NCAA website. When I go to confirm things such as the college World Series, they play their ads oh my God. without you clicking on them. So that's what happened there. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I did not mean No, it's okay. I just don't understand why we, we the NCAA's website's the only one that does that. Because, I mean, I, I search things all the time. Nothing's ever an issue. But their website just throws stuff at you. <laughs> oh, website is not your friend. It is not your friend. Darn it. No, if you look at last year, Texas A&M made it to the College World Series. Arkansas made it. Auburn made it. Ole Miss made it. And Ole Miss won the whole thing. All those are on the schedule. Not to mention that LSU still has Tennessee, who was the number one ranked team in the country last year and got upset before they made it to Omaha. Once again, continuing the tradition of that is essentially the kiss of death. If you're in college baseball for like, I guess, like the last 20 years, you get the number one overall seed. See ya. Don't pack your bags for Omaha because you're not going to make it. 
you never want to be the, the top overall seed. But even though I think Auburn's a little down this year, Arkansas is still good. So, I mean, this is a great schedule for the LSU baseball team. Opening up on the road at AM, who went to the World Series last year. At home this weekend against Arkansas, who went to the World Series last year. Then you're going to be at home versus Tennessee. You still have to go travel to Ole Miss, who I think is going to be better than people think. That's always a tough place to play in Oxford. You got to go on the road to play at Auburn, even though Auburn may be down. So they're going to get tested, man. And here's the goal if you're LSU. Not to win every one of these games. You just want to win the series. If we're talking three weeks from now, and LSU has won every one of their SEC series, Dawson. I mean, they're already the number one ranked team in the country. They didn't play a ton of tough competition before SEC play. But if they take two or three from AM, they take two or three from Arkansas, and they take two or three from Tennessee, I don't think there's any question who the best team in America is. It's going to be the team that resides in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I mean, especially within what that conference does, it's just a different level in baseball more than anything, I think. And so that's really all you're trying to do now. There's some there's some interesting things going on at the top of the SEC. Tennessee, who was a top five ranked team, just got swept by Missouri. So we're going to see that was a bit of a stunner. Yep. That should be fun to kind of see a month in kind of, um, you know, certainly preseason expectations don't necessarily uh, coincide with regular season results. So we'll and see if the letdown of you embracing being the villain of college baseball and then getting upset and have your heart ripped out of your chest. How do you respond the next year? It hasn't gone necessarily all that well for Tennessee this year. So we'll see if that was, you know, just a couple years fluke or if they can actually get their act together. This weekend, though, Arkansas comes to town, three-game set at the box, and Jay Johnson gave us his early thoughts about that SEC weekend series. Yeah, I mean, I mean, super talented, um, really good hitters throughout the lineup. I mean, they're so talented that they lost just about everybody on the position player side of it with a couple exceptions, and they're just as good. Um, that kind of stands out. Um, you know, they have, um, you know, the pitchers, they've had a couple injuries, but it's like I think they gave up very few runs this week into Auburn, who is an Omaha team. So loaded for bear as usual. Um, one of the best recruiting programs in the country and thus one of the best programs in the country. So it'll be a good, good challenge. It'll be a nice challenge. Arkansas is, by the way, 18-2 and two overall. That is going to be a blockbuster weekend series. And here's the other thing about this team. We, we talked about how they're being tested early, right? A&M, 14-6. They just took two or three from. Alabama's having kind of a surprising start to the season. They're all over the place, though, Bama is. They lost to some bad teams, and then they went 1-2 and two to open up conference play, but they're 17-4 and four overall. You got Tennessee, who's only 15-6 and six this year to start off the season. But South Carolina is 20-1. Who had that on their college baseball bingo card that the Gamecocks were going to be one of the best teams to start off the season in the SEC? Anyone? 
They're 20 and 1. They also still can't crack the top 10 in the rankings. So, not a lot of respect there no. from the non conference schedule, which, again, they played a similar schedule to LSU, which was nothing in non conference. Correct. So, well, we'll it, find out about them in the coming weeks. You play in the SEC, you typically don't schedule a ton of tough games outside of conference play because you play in the SEC. But, I mean, I know it's early and it's just one weekend, but South Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt all won their opening week, all swept their opening. SEC series and Florida, Tennessee, and Georgia. Well, they didn't. So, and by the way, LSU plays in Columbia this year, later in the season. Three game weekend set there. That's going to be interesting. Well, you know, look, we'll find out a lot more about how good South Carolina is, right? Once again, they could be really good or they could just be average. By the way, Vandy, even though they had guys enter the transfer portal and come to LSU, among other places, uh, there's Vanderbilt. They're 16 and five. I, I just, they just find a way every year. They just find a way. You know, the last program that won the uh, final College World Series in Rosenblatt and the first one in TD Ameritrade Park? That's the Commodores. No, it's South Carolina. It was South Carolina. Yeah, I went, Ooh. I switched up on you there. I'll let you change the subject because oh! then I wanted to go back. That's what I get for making you look up stuff on the fly, and then we had audio play over there. It's right? okay. That's right. Yeah. It's payback. It's fine. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, man, the SEC is just so loaded. I mean, your defending champs are 14-6, and six, Ole Miss. It's going to be a dog fight. But LSU, oh, man, they can hit. Brother, they can hit. And their approach to hitting – is they seemingly they, they always have a nice mix of guys that are that there that are aggressive. They got some sluggers. They got some guys that are going on to the next level. We know that. We've talked about Dylan Cruz a, a ton on this show, and and Johnson talked about his team's approach when they get inside the box. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was it was great. Um, you know, I think it took. Um, I don't know what inning it was yesterday, but it took till about the sixth inning for them to slow us down at all, at all. I mean, I mean, because there were we were on the verge a few times. When you get a lot of guys on base, you're going to leave some guys on base. But we were excellent at moving the ball when we needed to, and uh, really, really high level offense. You know, again, it's a top five preseason team that you know national championship contender and. Um, they weren't very comfortable, and that's the credit to the hitters. Their lineup is going to make anyone uncomfortable. LSU's hitting is going to be there. Do they have enough pitching is going to be the thing. That, look, this team should make it to Omaha just from its lineup. And Paul Skeens is, is good. Do they have enough complete pitching? Because that's what it comes down to, right? The teams that end up winning the titles when they have to win so many games in so many days once they get up to Omaha for that week and a half, who's got the pitching? Who's got enough of it? Do the Tigers have enough of it? I think we're going to find out. We'll find out here in in about a month or so once they get into heart of SEC play if they have enough great pitching. Because that's essentially what you need. What about Mr. Skeens? He's kind of lived up to the preseason hype. He has been excellent. And Jay Johnson talked about Paul. 
Yeah, and it's you knew it right away. Um, you know, I've said this a few times, like in my meetings with players, like always want to be on it. You know, I want, I want to make sure that it's productive use of their time. He almost like commands this, like, hey, man, you better be on it or he's going to know you're not, you know, kind of thing, because he's so serious about what he's doing and um, strikes out so many guys that, you know, I mean, it was great. We were able to get him an out in the sixth inning, but it's like couldn't go much further than that because he was so good. Um, great problem to have. Um, but, yeah, he's he's awesome. He's every bit as advertised, and um, it shows. He's a massive human, by the way. He's six foot six, two hundred forty-seven pounds. Now, it's one thing to be an All-American at Air Force, and this is not a knock on the academy. Have an immense amount of respect for the service academies, but sometimes you can play a level of competition, Dawson. That's not exactly elite, right? This guy has come in from Air Force, the big righty. And is just, I don't know. Let's look at it. Oh, he's 5-0 and with an ERA of 0.59. He's given up a total of 12 hits in five games, only two runs, no home runs, and has struck out 59 hitters. In five games! Like, last year, on the whole, Dawson, he was 10-3, with 96 strikeouts at Air Force. 96. He already has 59 in only five games. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So, do they have three Paul Skeens on the roster? No. (laughs) They don't. But they don't need the other guys to be as dominant as he is. But, man, they have found that that guy is filthy. Big. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being a little 5'10 guy in the batter's box? You step up there, and you're like, oh. And then the monster comes on the mound, and he just throws straight heat at you, and you go, oh, that's not going to be my day. That's This is going to go poorly for me. (laughs) Going to be like John Crook trying to bat against Randy Johnson in the All-Star game. Another massive human being. Once again, LSU tonight, 6.30. You can listen to that game versus Central Arkansas right here on the game. And, of course, we'll have the three-game weekend series versus Arkansas coming up this weekend from Alex Box Stadium as well. we got to take a timeout. Wrap up hour number two next right here on the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, we talk about the sports you know and love. Baseball, football, basketball, and soccer. Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer. But we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on, on the, the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. While we have a few minutes here, I want to talk about kind of an under-the-radar move that the Saints 
made yesterday or was at least announced yesterday. If you don't mind, D'Lo, is that okay? Can I do that? That's all good, yeah. Okay. We keep waiting for something to be told to us about P.J. Williams, the versatile guy that they love to resign to one-year contracts. Can play corner, can play safety for him, right? Yeah, go Knowles. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think he's coming back. Not after what happened yesterday. Yeah, feels like the writing's on the wall there. In case this kind of went under the radar for you, members of the Black and Gold Nation, free agent defensive back Lonnie Johnson Jr. signing a one-year deal with the Saints, formerly of Tennessee and the Texans. He's been around the block a little bit. In seven starts for the Texans in 2021, Johnson had three interceptions and six pass breakups. Versatile cornerback slash safety, former second-round pick, had multiple suitors in free agency. This is kind of an under-the-radar type of deal here for the Saints. He does kind of check a lot of the boxes of the guys the Saints like to sign. That RAS metric which they like to use right he's very much high on that I still don't necessarily understand how they formulate that I just know the Saints like the results of utilizing that and this guy is high on that high on that list so it makes a lot of sense but once again for me we can spend time talking about the big splash moves Derek Carr and Jamal Williams those are great For a team like the Saints, where depth has been an issue in recent years, where you haven't had enough quality depth because of the money that's been around to play around with, getting guys to sign team-friendly deals and getting guys that can do multiple things, Dawson, versatile players like this guy that can line up at corner or at safety for you, These are the type of under-the-radar deals that help fill the holes for teams wanting to compete for championships. These are those type of moves. It's never the big moves. It's always these type of of middle-of-the-road, middle-tier, filling holes type of moves for me. Yeah, and and, um, he's not exactly the same situation or type of player, but Justin Evans signed elsewhere. Correct. It's another guy in your secondary um, now, of course, the uh, you know the, the situation with with what you've done in the secondary has been interesting because they were really good at corner last year at times, um, but then they also had the injuries with Lattimore. So PJ Williams became an important guy last year as well, um, and he has been throughout. I mean, he's always had different roles, but they've always been important for the most part. So he seems to be a guy that Dennis Allen trusts as well now it's not to say that they can't bring pj back i just right yeah it doesn't seem like they they would unless they have ideas of him you know moving more to a full-time safety role which they've kind of flirted with the idea of in the past so um but maybe it just became a situation and we've seen this with the saints before where he just got a little bit too expensive and you know again that's kind of what i talked about with Anyamata and Tuttle. like that's the belichick method right You, you you use these players until they cost too much for what they bring and so Maybe that's what happened. Although I don't, I don't imagine anyone giving PJ Williams a huge deal. But then again, I didn't think uh, Tuttle was going to get the money he got. So sometimes yeah. that stuff happens with the way the market is. But they're being proactive and doing kind of under the radar deals, which I like as well for the Saints. 
Hour number two is in the books. Hour number three, we're going to kick it off with the great one, Jim Gozzolo from the Lake Charles American Press. That's next right here on The Game. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. on your clock this morning. Final hour has arrived on this Tuesday edition of RP3 and Company. Coming up in a half hour from right now, Ollie Cassell will try to be positive talking about the New Orleans Pelicans. (laughs) We'll we'll see if Ollie can pull that off as the Pellies uh, split with the Rockets who are trying their best to tank and get the big French guy, the seven-footer. I'm sure everything is fine with the Pelicans. Nothing to see here. Move along, people. That's coming up half an hour from right now. Don't forget to go vote on the poll question of the day as well. You can leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Who do you have winning the World Baseball Classic title tonight? Will it be Japan winning their third title? Or will it be USA winning back-to-back titles and their second overall Right now, 76% of you say USA, USA, USA. 14% say Japan. And 10% of you have voted, what is WBC? Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. But right now, here on RP3 and Company, it's time for us to talk all things Cowboys. Not the Dallas Cowboys. No, no. The McNeese Cowboys. Baseball teams out there sweeping opponents. Basketball teams got all this buzz with their new men's coach. To break it all down for us is the man who hosts the Minis Coaches Show every Wednesday night here on the game, our good friend Jim Gazzolo. Jim, good morning, bud. How are you? I'm fine, Raymond. I'm good. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm bursting with love. I, I don't know how to take you bursting with love. <laughs> I'm not for sure. There you go. I'm not for sure. So, obviously, you're bursting with love because you're a big World Baseball Classic guy and you just love what you saw last night in dramatic walk-off fashion for Japan, right? Sure. <laughs> but you're a baseball guy. Why don't you like the World Baseball Classic, Jimbo? Because you're, because it's just exhibition. still an exhibition season. I don't mind it. It, it beats spring training normally, but... Uh... I think Japan will win because I think you isn't you Darvish pitching. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> hey, I thought he was scheduled to go tonight. No, he's not. He's not going tonight. Oh. He's not going tonight. Okay, there you go. Never mind then. Locked in. Um, locked in on that WBC. <laughs> big, big, yeah. big WBC guy. Hey, uh, before we get to McNeese, how excited are you about your White Sox? And are you going to go over and make the short drive from Lake Chuck to Houston to see them take on the defending World Series champions there at Minute Maid Park to open up the season, bud? Uh, no. Uh, but I am excited. I think they'll be, I think they'll be improved. Um, I think that uh, they have a better attitude. I think that they'll be better. And so, that, that's going to be good enough to probably win that division. But the, that, I think that's as far as they go. So, Okay. 
All right, so I'll I can't. Take it. I'll take it. Look, I'm just excited about uh, sports in general. You know me. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm a positive person. You are Mr. Glass Half Full. <laughs> if there's anybody that I know that's more positive than you, I'll. It's a struggle to find who that person is. All right, yes, let's talk about this be. McNeese baseball team. Started off a little slow to the season, but man, they are playing some great baseball of late. Uh, they they sweep Yale over the weekend. Uh, their record now is what fifteen and five overall for Justin Hill's team. Um, what's yes. what's working for them as they enter conference play versus Incarnate Word this week? Uh, pitching that they they really throw well. They throw fast. Um, their games are within you know, a Friday night games have been within two hours. Uh, Grant Rogers puts you in position to win any series because he's five and zero. Oh. Um, is the area is below one, and that starts you off to where you could save your bullpen because he's going to go seven, eight innings, and that, that's really the big thing. Derek Curry has come out; uh, he's from Houston. He's changed the way he pitches from when he was in Houston. He's throwing more strikes, getting ahead of hitters. They field the ball very well, um, and they've got enough timely hitting. I, I think the back end of their uh, uh, other order needs to come up a little bit. But uh, Josh Leslie has twenty nine RBIs in twenty games. That's pretty good. Um, so uh, clutch hitting and uh, good pitching will win you a lot of games. And when you look at what they've been able to do, I mean, they've won some games. Look, they, they rolled up on George Washington, won a couple of close games in that series to take all three. They lose a hard-fought game against the Raging Cajuns in Lafayette, but they had beat them previously in the season the prior week. And then they beat up on Prairie View, A&M, Mississippi Valley State, and then they take care of Yale. But the competition's about to get a little bit better than what they've been facing, right? They're not going to be facing Prairie View and George Washington. They're going to be facing Houston this week, tonight, during a midweek game there in the Chuck. And then they open up conference play. I'm sorry, I thought it was Incarnate Word. It's actually Nichols this weekend yeah. there in Lake Charles. And then it's Houston Christian and Texas A&M Corpus Christi. So what do we make of uh, this team's mindset heading into this week? Well, I think that, I think they're in pretty good shape mindset-wise. You know, it, it's rare when you can throw in the fact that they're undefeated against both the WAC and the Ivy League. That doesn't happen every day. Or the SWAC and the Ivy League. That, that doesn't happen every day. <laughs> but they, they played – Creighton was a good team. Um, I want to see how they come out against really solid competition for a whole series. Uh, they'll be tested – I don't put. I, I, I'm a guy that does not put a lot of emphasis into weekday games um, because it's all about the weekend. But I want to see them play, see how they do against Houston as far as how they field the ball, how they play, do they get enough hits? Because, um, frankly, their their competition hasn't been great the last three weeks. So this is a, this is an opportunity this week to see right where they're at, see how they do against better competition, and, and kind of set the stage for what they're going to do this year. What's the one thing that you still feel like maybe they still need to work on or maybe a couple players that aren't off to the starts that we anticipated? Well, Duhon in right field's had a bad start. Um, Peyton Harden has not been off to a good start, which is just like last year. I think that extends their lineup. Right now, I think their lineup is a little bit top-heavy. Um, so I, I want to see some of the bottom of the order kind of make some things happen, get some big hits. Kind of, you know, roll that, roll the offense over a bit. Uh, a lot of it has been Josh Leslie and uh, Brad Burkell right now. 
and, and they've kind of led the way. Uh, Cooper Hex has been really good with five home runs in the leadoff spot. But I'd like to see the, just the extension of the lineup and get a little more production on the bottom of the order. This team, with the lineup they have and the hitters they have, obviously the expectations, as it is every season there in Lake Charles, is to win the conference championship. They come really close last year, or they came really close last year, even taking the first game of the uh, three-game championship series versus Southeastern. But then they dropped the next two games there in Lake Charles to fall short. Is the expectation, once again, for them to win the conference title and get back to an NCAA regional? Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're fa- they, they were picked preseason to do it. I think that that's always kind of the standard for them and softball now um, to be at least in the running. I think they'll be in the running. They'll be one of the top two or three teams in the league. Uh, as long as everybody stays healthy. And then you just kind of, then it's a crapshoot at the end of the year when it comes to tournament play. Last year, they could have won game two, had the call go differently at the plate. They reviewed it uh, for about five minutes. And then after that, game three got away from them. I think that they, if they're going to do it, though, they have to develop some a little better bullpen, a little more consistency out of the bullpen, especially the middle of the bullpen uh, for when, you're, when your starter doesn't have it. That I'm not sure they have that yet developed. We're talking with Jim Gazzolo. He covers the McNeese Cowboys for the Lake Charles American Press. He's also the host of the McNeese Coaches Show and a diehard Chicago White Sox fan. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Let's shift gears from baseball why you, why and... Why are you up the White Sox angle here? I, but I'm just letting the people know. They want to know more about you. You're the great Gazzolo. And, yes, there was some talk. Bob Nightingale actually put this out yesterday that if Japan did advance that you Darvish would be the pitcher, but that has since changed. So that's where you're getting your information from if you were trusting Bob Nightingale, but that information has been proven wrong, Jim. So our apologies. Our okay. Apologies. I, I, I can be wrong. It's okay, bud. I've been wrong before. I can be wrong again. I believe me. Oh, you're a married man. You're wrong all the time. So. Very true. <laughs> Very true. Let's switch over to basketball. Obviously, Will Wade hitting the ground running. Let's talk about the guys. He's already got three big-time transfers coming in, already committed to coming in to play for him. One of them from Utah, another kid that began off uh, began at Cincinnati, and then I want to say went, uh, ended up at UC Santa Barbara. What can you tell us early on the recruiting trail for Will Wade, especially considering he's already been suspended for the first five games of the season and he has recruiting limitations, yet he's already gotten three transfers? Yeah, uh, all three guards. Two of them played together at Cincinnati, actually. Um, the one from Utah, the one from uh, Santa Barbara, both played at uh, Cincinnati together for a year. Ooh, okay. Um, the uh, the other the other kid's pretty got some good numbers, but he's from junior college. So I, I think the interesting thing to me is that he's gone two, essentially two point guards or two guards about six one or under, and then a six three guard. I want to see when he goes big. Um, he lost Shoemate, uh, Christian Shoemate into the portal yesterday. That was expected, uh, but that was their best player. Um, so I, he's got a – I hear there's four or five more still to come, and uh, some with some size. I want to see some what, what happens with where the guys with the 6'8", six, 6'9", six, bodies come from. But uh, when you look at the, the Southland, Northwestern State not only loses their coach, they lose their starting five into the portal. Oh. Um, Lamar loses the freshman of the year into the portal. Uh, Texas Corpus Christi loses their coach. 
and presumably several players into the porthole. Um, it, it's just wide. Right now, mid-majors is wide open because of this portal thing. So uh, I want to see how that plays out and what he gets as far as size goes. But uh, right now he's up to a good start with the guards. Why wouldn't Shoemate stay and play for Will Wade, knowing Wade's track record of being able to get guys to the NBA? I think mainly because if you listen to Will Wade, I'm not sure Christian Shoemate was the type of guy he wanted. I know it sounds weird, um, but he said he always – he told me he wanted a power forward that can do a four that can do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not Christian's game. Kind of a one one trick pony yeah. inside, um, but very dominant. So I, you know, I'm not sure. A, a lot of things look. A lot of family members get involved. The weird things happen in the portal. Sometimes when you have a good stretch like she made had. All of a sudden, you think you're elevated and you're going to get more. Um, a lot of mistakes are made in the portal both ways. So uh, it's not always it's not always grass isn't always greener. We'll wrap it up with this. McNeese was proactive. Five game suspension for Will. You know they're trying to take the bull by the horns here and show the NCAA that you know they you know they're committed to doing things the right way. Yeah. Is the five-game suspension going to be enough, or do you believe the NCAA is going to possibly hand down a show clause penalty like they did against Bruce Pearl, who had to sit out an entire year? I think because he's already sat out a year, um, I think they're pretty they're pretty safe in what they believe is going to be. Okay, I think when you look at the other numbers, the Rick Pitino, the Sean Millers. Uh, some of the others, I think that what they gave was in line because he's already lost the year. Uh, Patino went to Europe and, and coached for a year. So I think they're pretty safe in what they did. There are some things within the, the contract uh, that would stipulate if it was longer. Um, but I think that uh, a, a five game is about right. But that's going with what everybody else has been handed out. I don't know. you know, And some of that, some of what's coming down from this is also football-oriented with LSU, so I don't know how that plays in. Jim, appreciate your time, as always. Have a tremendous McNeese Coaches Show this week, bud, and we'll talk to you next week. Justin Hill is the guest. Ooh, baseball skipper will be in the house. Thank you, Jim. All right, thank you, Raymond. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the Atlanta Braves. Just like his hero, Dale Murphy. I wanted to grow up and be Dale Murphy. Little Raymond, though wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beamed twice in the head. That actually explains a lot. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of RP3 and Company. Coming up next, we'll be talking with Ali Cassell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights, about the state of the Pelicans. But before we do that, don't forget, vote on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We'll make sure to share those with everyone before we sign off this morning. But right now, we're going to talk about a great local festival. The Acadiana Pull Boy Festival returns on April the 1st, downtown Lafayette. We're talking over 50 vendors, and you're going to have so many different choices of pull boys, great pull boys to choose from, original ideas that maybe you haven't thought about. That's what it's all about. And to talk to us about the Acadiana Pull Boy Festival is Joel Griffin Judice with the festival. She joins us now. Oh, Miss Joel, how are you this morning? Good morning. I'm doing well. Good morning. Thank you so much for uh, spending uh, spending a few minutes with us. Let's talk a little bit about the festival, if you can. Give us a little bit of the history. I know it's been around for a while. I've attended it, and I'm, I'm not too I don't uh, I'm not too uh, let's see uh, proud to say that I've spent a good portion of my money at the Acadiana Pole Boy Festival trying all the different pole boys. But give us kind of the genesis of how this all came to be, how it got started. Yes. Yeah, so. Um Social Entertainment hosts this event um, downtown where we really bring all the restaurants together, different vendors. You don't have to be a restaurant if you just know how to cook a good po' boy um, to get together and do something that benefits our community. Um, a portion of the donations go to Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Acadiana. Um, but it's kind of like, you know, a little best of the fest. Who can bring the best po' boy? Um, as you all know, po' boys are such a big part of what we love to eat here in Lafayette. So, we thought it'd be a fun way to bring everybody together, a little friendly competition, right in the heart of downtown, family-friendly event. Um, so this is our sixth annual year. Uh, we had a little three-year hiatus, but we are back being Park San Susi downtown um, April 1st. This year, um, it's a Saturday. It'll be from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. And like you said, we've got about 20 food vendors with a um, bunch of different po'boy options and over... 20 um, pop-up shops with arts and crafts and tons of stuff for the family to do. Now, what are the kind of the qualifications to be able to take part and be in this festival? I mean, everyone claims they can make a delicious pull boy, but that's not always the case. So what are some of the qualifications of being able to be part of the festival? Yeah, so um, like I said, you don't have to necessarily be a restaurant and you don't even have to be a place that, that serves po' boys. Um, but if, if you want to be involved and you want you know to get out in the community and, and cook for everybody, that's really all it takes. Um, we've got some really interesting spin, spins on what you would think a po' boy would be this year. Um, so I'm really excited. Some places are bringing two different types of po' boys. Um, everything from a chicken chipotle po' boy. I know Central's bringing back their shawarmageddon, um, which was a yummy sandwich they used to have on their menu. Um, but we've got Prejean's, we've got Johnson's, Reggie's Soul Food, Pop's po' boys. We've got a bunch of different vendors um, coming and bringing, you know, their the favorites that you know and love, as well as some unique renditions of something you've never heard of. We're talking with Joe L. Griffin Judice of the Kitty and a Poor Boy Festival. Once again, it returns to downtown Lafayette on April the 1st. Over 50 vendors will be in attendance. 
serving up delicious po' boys, all different types of different flavors for you, some out-of-the-box thinking. Let me ask you that, uh, Ms. Joel. What's the one of the more unique, or, or even if you have a few of them, more unique po' boys that you've seen there on display and, and ready for the public to consume, so to speak? Um, so something that you'll see maybe a little bit different than your regular standard po' boy is um, there's a a Hawaiian grill barbecue po' boy. There's a Reuben po' boy. I think we've got a short rib French dip. Um, just a bunch of really cool things that, you know, people do well on their own, and they want to throw it into a po' boy and, and see how everybody feels about it. What you just told me there, uh, I feel like I need to go ahead and just give you all my money right now. Is that possible? Can I just go ahead and do that? Yeah, you can. You definitely can. <laughs> I'm, I'm fairly for certain my wife may have something to say about that. But, no, it is a, a great atmosphere. Uh, you're not going to go hungry, and you're going to be able to sample some some of the best pull boy and pull boy artists, if you will, here locally. Uh, where can people uh, go to get more information uh, about the festival, and where can they go get their tickets? All right, so it is a free admission event, but if you head on over to socialentertainment.net, you can find out more information. Um, the Po' Boys themselves are $3 a piece, um, and they take cash and credit card at each booth, so you'll go directly to the vendor for the Po' Boys. And for adult and kid beverages, there's a, a ticket tent that you can go to to get tickets. There's also going to be a tent, um, the Best of the Fest tent, where you can go to vote on your favorite po' boy, which will be the People's Choice Award. Um, and we'll also have a po' boy eating competition. So if you head on over to our website, you can enter that um, and find out a little bit more information about what's going down on Saturday, April 1st. And before I let you go, uh, Joel, you know, obviously you've been involved with this. Uh, Social's been involved with this. And, you know, this is a, a big deal, it coming back and everything kind of to normalcy in the last couple of years. But maybe for those folks that have moved to the area or, you know, just recently and haven't been exposed to the Acadiana Poor Boy Festival, uh, what would you tell them uh, about being able to come out and uh, be able to spend their Saturday with you guys out there in downtown Lafayette? Yep. So um, it's, it's in the heart of downtown right next to the Children's Museum. It's going to be at Park Song Susie from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., and we really wanted something that the whole family could go to and have a little something for everybody to enjoy. We will have multiple different local artists, so there'll be music all day. Um, like I said, that friendly competition, that food, coming together to bring people together. A portion of the proceeds go to Big Brothers and Big Sisters, which is just an awesome thing to be a part of and be able to help benefit, um, as well as having all of the different Local pop-up shops that we'll have from, you know, jewelry to face painting, arts and crafts. Um, so music, drinks, food, downtown Lafayette. It's really got all the things that we love here in Lafayette to do on a beautiful Saturday. Ms. Joel, I appreciate the time as always. Hope you have a record crowd coming out for the Acadiana Poor Boy Festival on April 1st. Thank you so much again for your time and best of luck. Thank you. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company.
Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Let's get excited. Let's get excited. New Orleans Pelicans in 12th place in the Western Conference standings. About a dozen games to go. They're going to make a push to not only get into the play-in tournament, but then they're going to win the play-in tournament. Then they're going to upset one of the higher seeds and on their way, Zion's going to come back with a bionic hamstring Brandon Ingram's not going to have any issues. C.J. McCollum's going to be more consistent. And Willie Greed's not going to get outcoached. It's all going to happen because we are going to make it happen. Isn't that right, Dawson? Yeah. Oh, what, where can I sign up for all this good stuff? <laughs> we welcome in Ollie Cassell, editor-chief of the Bird Rights. But we always depend on you to give us a boost of positivity when it comes to the Pelicans. I thought it was only right that I tried to do the same for you today. Well, you did a good job because now I don't really have to talk about any of that wishful <laughs> scenarios. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, Raymond, look, they've dug themselves in the hole. We knew that. They crash-landed after you know January came around, lost Zion Williamson. And then, really, it was losing to the Lakers and then that first game to Houston that really – you know, feels like it takes the wind out of the sails, right? I mean, th- those are all must-win games, and they only went one and two over the last three. So, like you said, they're in 12th place, and now they're looking up. And they don't have tiebreakers with Utah and L.A., right, the Lakers who are right above them. So they're going to have to finish the season strong, right? I mean, they're going to have to go at a minimum six and five, but you, you think they got to go seven and four, something along those lines. Oh, when's the last time they went seven and four? During the season. How long has that been? 20 and what was it? Yeah. Before the calendar flipped to 2023, right? I mean, oh. it's been a while. Oh, how do you lose to the Rockets? Like we, we kept talking about that, right? Ollie and you know, you got to take both games in Houston and they just looked awful. Now they rebounded and won the game on Sunday, but you already did all the damage you lost on Friday. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, that one hurt, right? They came out great in that Friday game. Jumped out to a 26-12 uh, lead. Then they gave up a 22-0 run. That was that was incredible to watch, right? We're one of the worst teams in basketball. Scores 22 straight points against you. But guess what? They recovered. So, okay, you're feeling good. Double-digit lead for much of the second half. And then, of course, they wilted in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, that stings. So while you can say, hey, look, they kind of figure something out. They started using the big man more, Jonas Valanciunas. Brandon's, you know, Brandon's been playing pretty darn well when you just look at his efficiency. But CJ McCollum hasn't. He's been up and down. So you really don't know what you're going to get. Are they going to keep feeding the big man? Is Herb going to be able to be consistent? Right? He's made 38 percent of his threes this month. Can can he keep doing that? You just don't know because that hasn't been the trend for the last what three months. So I don't know. It's kind of like flipping a coin right now. I feel like. So, (laughs) the Spurs are tonight. Now, San Antonio has been very open and very transparent about their attempts of tanking the season to get the big French fella. They're going to do 
everything in their power to not to try to win this game, right? To increase their ping pong ball chances of winning the lottery. No yeah, excuse. So, right? I mean, just look at their lineups, oh, right, Raymond? I mean, I could see Devontae Graham going for 30 tonight. I don't know about you, but um, for the most part, yeah, I mean, the Spurs all season haven't really tried to put forth any kind of effort in the winning games. That's a given. But I'll tell you what, they're 5-5 five and five over their last 10. Oh, and, no. You know, Houston was playing kind of decently, too. So Pelicans are going to have to play well to beat everybody the rest of the way. I, I don't look at the schedule anymore and what the opponent's record is because it really doesn't matter. The Pelicans just have to play well. Which they haven't done in 2023 on a consistent basis. So, you know, we're at the end of March. That's not a great sign. Spurs and then Charlotte. Right, Charlotte has no ball because of the injury, so those should be two winnable games. But then I look at their schedule, and you say, "Hey, they probably need to do something more like seven and four in their last 11. At LA, who's going to be fighting for playoff positioning? At Portland, who's fighting to get into the playing tournament? Golden State, who is terrible on the road, but they are great, great at home." That game is in San Francisco at Denver, the number one team in the West. Whew. Then they come back home for the Clippers, Kings, Grizzlies, Knicks, and then they wrap up at Minnesota. It feels daunting, right? Oh, I mean, man, they've got to start off. Tough. They've got to get these first two. I mean, they've got to beat the Spurs and the Hornets, especially with, you know, dropping that one to the Rockets and losing to the Lakers. So I think that's that's just guaranteed if they lose one of these next two you've got to hate their odds of getting just in the playing tournament but then they've got to win one of those probably two on the road and i'm hoping that they'll get the trailblazers because it sounds like portland's done right they're about what three games behind the pelicans it feels that way yeah yeah damian lillard's lately been talking like yeah he can kind of see the writing on the wall for that team so i think they're done they got to get that one but you got to get one against the Warriors and nuggets to the clippers which one i don't know i pin my I pin my hopes maybe on the Clippers game. They've been bad defensively, right? Kawhi's back. They're they're scoring points, but I feel like they're beatable because they're just giving up a ton of points. Because you're right, you don't want to go into San Francisco. You can't beat the Warriors. They they couldn't beat the Warriors there a couple of weeks ago, right? Three weeks ago without Steph. Now Steph is back, and the Nuggets. I know they've been kind of not playing their you know their usual brand of basketball, but it's in Denver, and the Pelicans haven't been playing well, so. I don't know, Raymond. I feel like every time we talk about who they should beat and maybe where they can win, they just it usually doesn't work out like that. So fingers crossed. They need to have a stretch like they did in early February when they won three straight. They beat the Lakers, the Kings, and the Hawks all at home, lost a tough one to Cleveland, but then went on the road and beat Oklahoma City. So they need like a little four out of five stretch during the final 11. If they do that, I think that's going to be enough for them to get into the playing tournament, I just don't know if they can do that, Ollie. Like I just, I, they just play basketball so poorly. They, they, they do, and they don't do the yeah. little things right. Yeah, and it's hurting them, right? It's not just Zion. I think Jose Alvarado being out's really hurt this team. He gives them kind of that, kind of a steadying presence, right? Where you know what you're going to get from him defensively, and and that's great because. Somebody's got to smack the opponent in the mouth outside of Herb Jones. And I feel like Jose's really the only other guy you can depend on doing that every night. They're missing him. Larry Nance isn't 100%. So you're really relying on your starters, which have been terrible outside of these couple games in Houston, 
So they've got to play well, right? Brandon, he's got to get you 25-plus, I feel like. Jonas, keep feeding the big man. C.J. McCollum, when he has shot over 45% from the field over the last three weeks, the Pelicans have won all the games. But unfortunately, he's been closer to that 40% line or lower. So that can't happen. He's suddenly got to go through a hot streak, too. And then, of course, you got to get Trey, Herb, getting their double figures as well. So it's a tall ask. Basically, everybody that's playing and that's healthy, they've got to come through. And if they don't, it's going to probably be a loss. Well, it sure does feel like that final game at Minnesota is going to determine whether or not they get into the playing tournament. <laughs> just, I've thought about that, yeah. <laughs> oh, it does feel that way. And here's the other thing for them, Ollie, right? Not only do they have to play better and possibly go 7-4, and four, which would put them in a good position to make them play in tournament, they need help. They need Minnesota to fade. They need Oklahoma City to fade. They need the Jazz to fade. They need the Lakers to fade. They need a lot of help, too. That's where they've put themselves. Exactly. I mean, when you're in 12th, you need some good fortune happen your way. And I've already mentioned, you can't just end up in a tie with either the Lakers or the Jazz because they own the tiebreaker. So you've got to jump across both of those teams. And then, like you said, boy, it'd be great if Dallas continues to flounder, right? I mean, Lucas missed, I think, five games. And ever since Kyrie Irving landed there, even when both of those guys have been healthy, Dallas hasn't looked good. So maybe they can continue to free fall. Minnesota just lost Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns is in back. So they're in danger, right, of losing more, a lot more games than they win uh, over their remaining stretch. I, the, one, the one I don't count on falling is OKC. They, they, you know, we, we just saw them and, and they've been playing really darn good and, and they've got so much talent. I'll tell you what, I like them. I kind of, I'm kind of rooting for them secretly because I want to see that young team get in the uh, playoffs because it's just a fun team to watch. We're talking with Ali Cassell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. He joins us here in RP3 and company. Uh, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to ask this question and I know it kind of puts you in a tough spot, but I have to ask it. Would, for the fans of the Pelicans, would it be better served for them just not to mess around and make the play-in tournament here and just kind of extend a wildly disappointing season? Would it be just better for them not to make the play-in tournament and just be able to move on to the offseason? I don't think so. <laughs> I really don't. After what happened last year, you want to get a, into the playoffs, at least the play-in tournament game again, and you want to see Zion playing one of those games. Fingers crossed, we're supposed to get word of his latest MRI, and hopefully it'll have good news sometime this week, and I think that might come today. So if, say, that's a positive, then you absolutely, I feel like... I love your optimism that the news on Zion's going to be good. I love it. It has to happen at some point, Raymond. It can't always be (laughs) negative. (laughs) It's fair. It's fair. I just... I do wonder if Zion's people are going to say, look at this team and go, my man, why are you coming back? Why not just go ahead and shut it down? Like, I, I do openly wonder about that. But let, let, let's say they're on board. I know Zion wants to play. I don't know if the people around Zion want him to play, I guess is the more uh, detailed uh, answer to, to that. Yeah, I guess we don't know the answer because from what I've heard, especially with after you retweak this hamstring, you got to be careful it doesn't happen again. Yep. Then it can lead to, say, a four, six-month longer injury, right? Whether something really rips from off the bone, right, some some muscle, um, or, you know, some other catastrophic type of injury can occur because you're not at 100%. So it's going to come down to really just how healthy the doctors say he is. 
and how that rehab goes, right? The ramping up process. Because I guarantee you he'll start ramping up again. It'll just, you know, it, it, that last week of the regular season, I think, is where the only chance of him returning would first appear. And if, if it's all thumbs up, I could see his people signing off because they want to see Zion, you know, playing in important games because that's something they've always talked about. That was one thing that was kind of made adamant, I feel like, by his mom. Right. She wants him to fall in the footsteps of Jordan, Larry Bird, somebody along those lines. And guess what? They started getting into the playoffs by their you know, third year, some of them in their second year. So for Zion, we know what year he's in. So it's time for him to start tasting some of this postseason. That's if the Pelicans are in position to even make the play in tournament by that time. Yeah. That's that. That's so, that's the big we what need if, some good right? things to happen, right? <laughs> yeah, you need, need multiple things to happen. Brother, appreciate your time as always. Keep up the tremendous work you're doing there for the bird rights, my friend. We'll talk to you next week, bud. Yeah, thank you, Raymond. I hopefully we'll be happy about something, right? Ha, I'm happy to talk to you. That's something. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, the sun is shining. There hey, it is, this. bud. They finally finished repaving the road outside of my house. It took two and a half years, but I finally have pavement. <laughs> Congratulations, Ollie. Thank you. It's the small things in life, Raymond. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I want to thank our guest, Brett Chancy of Locked On Astros. I want to thank Jim Cazzolo from the Lake Charles American Press and Ali Cassell from the Bird Rights. Poll question of the day, who do you have winning the WBC tonight? World Baseball Classic Championship game, USA versus Japan. Right now, 77% say USA, 13% J, uh, say Japan, and 10% of you said, what is WBC? JPK, the OD, says baseball season starts for me May 5th when the Mariners start their takedown of the Astros. Other than that, here's all that matters. Hashtag NFL, hashtag Saints Super Bowl bound. In case you didn't know, Dawson, JPK, the OD, is a diehard Seattle Mariners fan. He bleeds the teal. That's tough. <laughs> That's tough, he says. It's been a tough 20 years. Less, Yeah, less tough recently. But <laughs> Ralph says, Mexico would like their spot in the poll back. I remember the good old days when WBC was a boxing title. Just like Ali versus Anoki, this might end in a draw. Good thing we're in the hammock season. The Notorious Dub says, just hoping Trey Turner gets the hero out of his system prior to the season. Go Braves. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't need Trey Turner carrying over this great performance in the world baseball classic I, I could i could actually utilize uh use him not to be that way Let's see if we can make that happen can someone make that happen quickly we got about a minute to spare we didn't talk touch on this yesterday but chauncey gardner johnson is on the move yet again help the eagles get to a super bowl the best he could do is a one-year deal in detroit now, i don't know if chauncey has the right representation <clears throat> or whatever it may be. 
and free agency and dealing with NFL teams can be a weird situation. But the Saints let him go for nothing, like a box of leftover chicken and some napkins. And then the Eagles are like, no, we're good. And then the best he could do was get a one-year deal from Detroit. For, it certainly feels like maybe um, words gotten around the league about kind of him being maybe difficult to deal with. I, I, You know, I mean, what else could you say, right? He's been great on the field. so He's been great on the field, but we've heard, you know, he's been a problem at practice. He's right. been a problem in the locker room. He doesn't always see eye to eye with the coaches. Now, do I think Detroit intrigues me for Chauncey because Dan Campbell's there? And Dan Campbell was formerly on the staff of the New Orleans Saints, so he has a previous relationship with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Plus, Dan Campbell's all about eating the kneecaps. So, big personality probably not going to scare off Dan Campbell. But I do find it interesting that Philly had a chance. He was great for the Eagles this year, right? Didn't bring him back. Didn't even really attempt to bring him back. And... He settles on a one-year deal to go to Detroit. I think it's a great pickup for the Lions. I think he fits in right with what they need, and they make that secondary even even better. But it is curious. Saints let him go, traded him away for nothing. Philly let him walk, and he can only get a one-year deal. Eh, Maybe that says something about Chauncey. That's going to do it for this Tuesday edition of RP3 and Company. We'll be back inside the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there, be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game.